I have a question for you as we begin this first of two talks. And my question, I'd like you to respond to it using thumbs. So if you think the answer to this question for me is yes, thumbs up. If you think the answer to this question for me is absolutely not, thumbs down. And if you think the answer to this question for me is maybe, kind of, thumbs in the middle, okay? Yes, no, thumbs in the middle for maybe. So my question is, do you like reading? Do you like reading books? Have a think, have a think, and then show me using your thumbs. Do you like to read? Or do you like to be read to if you're not quite old enough to read yourself yet? There's quite a few thumbs up, yeah. I mean, I'm a thumbs up. Okay, yes, some okay thumbs. Emma is a yes. She'd like a book for Christmas. Some maybes, one or two maybes. No one doesn't like reading. That's very good. A couple of maybes at the front. Oh, Kai doesn't like reading. If you bought Kai a book for Christmas, there's still time to take it back. Okay, put your thumbs away. Excellent. I really like reading, and something I like from a good book, if I'm listening to it or if I'm reading it myself, is a really, really interesting and captivating first few sentences, yeah? Something that hooks you into the storyline and makes you want to turn every page and find out what happens in the end. That's what I love about a good story. Which is why, when I come to the Bible, and the Bible's a bit like a library, there are 66 books in it, and one of the books is called Matthew. And Matthew is one of two books which tells us all about the birth of Jesus. So I come to the book of Matthew and I think, yes, this could be really exciting. It's going to be a roller coaster. I know Jesus did lots of cool things. And I open it up and actually it's just a list of names. That doesn't seem very exciting, does it? It seems a bit boring. Yeah. Yeah. Seems a bit dull, seems a bit lame. If Matthew were here this morning, I might say to Matthew, Matthew, why have you chosen to begin your book in this way? Why have you chosen to start with a long list of names? I mean, can you, can you think of anything exciting that Jesus did? Have a think and shoot up a hand and share with me something exciting that you know Jesus did anything at all. Yes. He walked on water. That's pretty cool. That would be an interesting opening, wouldn't it? Jesus walking on water. That sounds like a good place to start. Anything else that Jesus did? Dan. He was born in the stable, which is interesting. That's right. A bit more interesting, perhaps, than a list of names. Rog, do you know anything that Jesus did that was exciting? You raised people from the dead. That's mind-blowing. Eric, anything exciting about Jesus? He turned water into wine. Zach again? Yeah, he healed somebody who had a skin disease. That's amazing. Jesus did loads of cool and amazing things. To me, it would seem a bit more interesting to start a story about Jesus, right, with something like him walking on water or him turning water into wine, or him raising someone from the dead. So why, Matthew, have you chosen to start with this list of names? And if Matthew were here, he'd say to me, James, I've chosen to start with a list of names because this list is a very special list of names. This list of names tells us something really important about Jesus. This list of names tells us that Jesus is 
a king. Now, that's pretty cool, right? This list of names tells us that Jesus is a king. So let's take a look at the list. What we're going to do is, in in a very slick manner, with Ruth at the back clicking as I speak, we've not rehearsed this, I'm going to read through a list of names, most of which are included in Matthew's list. And what I want you to do is, when I say generations pass, I want you to make this sign like this. Good. Passing. Active participation from all ages is encouraged. Generations pass. Well done, Emma. She spotted it. Eric, it's fun to participate. Good. (laughs) Splendid. So when you hear me say, generations pass, what are you going to do? Splendid. Both powers are involved. Excellent. Good, good, good. And when you hear me say the word king, I'd like you to put a crown on your head. Super. 100 points to the people near the front of the church, zero points to the people near the back. A king would wear a crown. Brilliant. Good. So generations pass, waves, and a king gets a crown. So you have to have your listening ears on, listening up to what I'm going to say. Okay, let's start. The first name on my list is God. And God made the world, including the first human beings, who were called Adam and Eve. And they lived in perfect relationship with God until they chose to deliberately disobey him. And so they were thrown out of the garden. But they had three sons who were called Cain, Abel and Seth. Now, sadly, Cain murdered Abel, and then generations pass. Oh, we're switched on. Good. Until the whole world was consumed by evil, apart from one man who was named Noah, who built an ark and who survived the flood, used to wash the world clean along with his sons. Generations pass. Good, we're still with me. Until we meet someone called Terah, who has a very special son named Abram. God promises Abraham that his, father, his family will change the world and changes his name from Abraham to Abraham. And he waits many years for his own son, who was a boy called Isaac. Now, Isaac has twins who are called Esau and Jacob, and they don't get on. Sometimes siblings don't get on, do they? Sometimes I don't get on with my brother and sister. They don't get on, and they go their separate ways. Jacob learns the hard way that God's plans are always best. And part of that plan is for Judah to have 12 sons, Jacob to have 12 sons, who are called Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Now, Joseph, hands up if you've heard of Joseph before. He had a very shiny, exciting coat, didn't he? Joseph um, saves his family, all these people, from starvation by moving them to Egypt, where we meet someone called Perez, who was Judah's son. Generations pass. Oh, we're falling asleep. Good. Generations pass, um, who escape from Egypt with a man called Moses, big man Mo. And they wander in the desert and are helped into the promised land by a woman named Rahab. And then generations pass until we hear a special love story of Boaz and Ruth, who marry and have a son called Obed, who has a son called Jesse, who's the father of Israel's greatest king. Eh, they saw it coming. King (laughs) David. Good. And he has a wife called Bathsheba, who gives birth to a man who had loads of wisdom from God, who was called King Solomon. Solomon. Good. Well done. Ten points to the Novison family, who builds a beautiful temple for God in Jerusalem. Generations pass, the kingdom splits, 
wicked king follows wicked king until we meet a man named King Hezekiah. Good, King Hezekiah, who trusts the Lord, but whose son Manasseh was rotten and undoes all of King good, Hezekiah's good work. And that cements God's plan to send his people away, to send his people into exile. Manasseh's son was King Josiah, good. And he takes the throne and helps point God's people back to God. He obeys God's ways, which is always the best thing to do. But it's already too late for God's people. Mighty Babylon marches on Jerusalem. And Jerusalem and the temple are destroyed. And after the people abandon God, and they're taken away into Babylon. Then generations pass, and generations pass, and generations pass. A few return to Jerusalem, they rebuild and they seek God again. Then generations pass until we meet a man called Joseph. Ah, sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, up to speed. A man called Joseph who's engaged to a girl called, any guesses? Mary. Mary. Good. Mary, who becomes pregnant with the Son of God, the promised King of Kings. Great. He's called Jesus. There he is. And this man, Jesus Christ, is God's perfect king who we are all invited, good, to know and to love and to serve because he's the one who's going to rescue us from our sins. Now, that is a long list of names, isn't it? It's a long list of names that Matthew includes at the start of his story about the Lord Jesus. But it's a special list because it shows us that Jesus is is from royal descent. He's a king, and he's a king from David's family. And it's from that family, from King David's family, that, that God had promised to send a very special ruler, a very special king, someone who would rescue and someone who would reign forever. All of these other kings we looked at died, but Jesus is different. Jesus is a special king who reigns forever. And there's something amazing, if we were to look closely at the stories of each of these people who are on the screen and who I said, some of them are all right. Some of them tried really hard to do their best for God, but some of them, some of them were pretty rotten. Some of them were pretty rotten, and they led God's people astray, and they rejected God's ways. Look at all of these people, says Matthew. Look at them all. God had lots of reasons to say to them, do you know what? You failed and you failed, and you failed, and you haven't listened to me. I want nothing more to do with you. But because God is good and full of love, and because he always keeps his promises, God did not let his failures, the failures of his people, get in the way of his plan to save them. God did not let the failures of his people get in the way of his plans to save them because he still sent Jesus, who is God's perfect king. So, God always keeps his promises. The Bible's one story. These are lots of names from the Old Testament. And the writer, Matthew, is saying, look, it's one story all about Jesus. Old Testament, New Testament, all of it's connected. One plan, one story about King Jesus. And Jesus is a king. That's what we learn just from those opening list of, this opening list of names at the start of Matthew's story. Now, to help us remember that, we're going to do, we have a couple of actions this morning. So the first one is Jesus is king. So for Jesus, we'll do this. We're going to tap our hands like that. Good. 
It's like the cross, isn't it, where Jesus got nailed. So Jesus is God, and we'll point up, and king. We'll wear a crown again. Let's try that again together. Jesus is God's king. Mary's got it. Splendid. One more time. Jesus is God's king. Brilliant. Now, it's been a whole two verses since, we, um, since I spoke, so I wonder if you can remember what our action was. <laughs> Should we try it again? Jesus is God's king. Did you get that, Grace? Let's see. Jesus is God's king. I can't see if they're paying attention, so it's just good to check. It's just good to check. So the question I have is, well, if Jesus is God's king, then what has he come to do? What is the job of the king? Now, fortunately for us, we have the Bible, and we have Matthew's book in the Bible, and Matthew very kindly tells us a little bit more thank you, about, well, what is it that this King Jesus has come to do? So we're going to um, continue the story, and I want you to be listening out, listening really closely for what job Jesus has to do. See if you can listen for the job that Jesus has to do. I'll read from Matthew's book, and as I read, there are some pictures on the screen Um, If you are more of a visual learner, all needs catered for. All needs catered for. Okay, so Matthew um, continues his story in chapter 1. And at verse 18, he says this, The birth of Jesus Christ. The mother of Jesus Christ was Mary. And this is how the birth of Jesus came about. Mary was engaged to marry Joseph. But before they got married, she learned that she was going to have a baby. She was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary's husband, Joseph, was a a good man, and he did not want to disgrace her in public. So he planned to divorce her secretly, to, to walk away and to leave her. While Joseph thought about this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The baby in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name the son Jesus. Give him that name because he will save his people from their sins. Interesting. Might want to remember that. All this happened to make clear the full meaning of what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be pregnant, she will have a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. And this means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord's angel had told him to do. Joseph married Mary, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And Joseph named the Son, Jesus. Now, did anyone spot, as I read through that true story from the Bible, did anyone spot what it is that the king has come to do? Emily. He's come to rescue us from our sins. That's absolutely right. It says this, the angel speaks to Joseph, and the angel tells Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son, You will name the son Jesus. Give him that name because he will rescue his people from uh, their sins. So Matthew tells us that the king, Jesus, is a rescuing king. That's why I've got a picture of a life ring on the screen. Jesus is a rescuing king. 
and he has come to save his people from their sins. So that's the big idea of Matthew's story about Jesus, and we want to always keep that in mind when we read Matthew's book. Jesus will save his people from their sins. Now, the job of rescuing people from their sins is a hard one for Jesus. It's a costly one. He will grow up, and he'll begin his ministry telling people about who he is and the good news when he was just a little older than me, when he was in his 30s. And he pulls together a team, a close team, and there's a big crowd of followers, and his teaching is rich and challenging. People came from all over to hear what Jesus had to say. Thousands of them wanting to listen to this man's incredible teaching, persuasive, divisive, rich, stimulating. And they came as well to see the amazing things that Jesus did. You mentioned some of them earlier. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He calmed storms of just a word. He healed people with awful skin diseases. He raised people from the dead. Jesus did all kinds of incredible things. Both what he says and what he does, these two things tell us something really significant, that Jesus is God that Jesus is God's son. He's Emmanuel, just, just exactly as we read there at the start of Matthew's gospel. Now, the story that Matthew tells us about Jesus, it goes through all this amazing teaching, and he shows us these spectacular miracles. But then near the end of Matthew's story, there's a well, there's something surprising in some ways that happens. It's maybe not what we expect to happen, but it's exactly what God has planned. We see that King Jesus is led out to die on a cross. So the king that once lay in a stable, in a crib in Bethlehem, is spread out on a cross to die. Once surrounded by lots of visitors, wise men and shepherds and family, and now in his mid-thirties, abandoned and mocked and ridiculed, and left alone. Now I wonder, have a think, put your thinking hat on, I wonder, is that what we expect a king to look like? I wonder if that's what we expect a rescuing king to do. Doesn't look very powerful, does it? Doesn't look very strong. Looks weak. But Matthew wants us to see that Jesus from baby in the crib to nailed to a cross is powerfully at work all the time because he is saving his people from their sins. He's rescuing them. That's the business of the king. That's what he comes to do. He's taking the blame for the times that we've told God to shove off because we want to be in charge and we don't want anything to do with his ways. The Bible word for that is sin. And we've said to God, shove off. I'm in charge, and no to your rules, God. And what Jesus does when he rescues us is he takes the blame for those times on him. He says, let me deal with that. Let me deal with the times when you've chosen to say, shove off God, I'm in charge, and no to your rules. This is where, on the cross, Jesus, remember who is God's king, is on the cross where Jesus is most kingly. That's where he looks most like a king because that's where he's performing this powerful rescue. What's 
amazing is that if we read to the very end of Matthew's story, that Jesus doesn't stay dead. Does anyone know what happens in the end? Anyone, what do you, Emma? That's right, Emma. How cool is that? Unlike all of the other kings in the Bible, this king does something spectacular because he was perfectly obedient, because he completely trusted God, because he was wiser, even wiser than wise King Solomon. Three days later, he rises again, Emma. That's absolutely right. Jesus is alive. And because he rose again, we know that he's destroyed death. That's beaten. That's gone. And so when Jesus rises again, it's like he's throwing open the doors of his kingdom, because that's what a king has, isn't it? He has a kingdom. He's throwing open the doors of his kingdom and saying, you can come in. You can come in and be with me forever. And I'm sending out death, and I'm sending out sin, because these things, they have no place in my kingdom anymore. If you trust me, you can come into my kingdom, because I've dealt with death, and I've dealt with sin, and I've made a way for you to come home to be with me forever. Now that's powerful. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. So we know from the start of Matthew's gospel two incredible things about Jesus. Firstly, one more time, we know that Jesus is God's king. And secondly, we know that Jesus rescues. We're all about the signs this morning. One more time, Jesus one hand on the top, and then pull it to yourself, rescues. Jesus is God's king, and Jesus rescues. Why does he do that? Because he loves God. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. And that's incredible. That's why we make such a fuss about Christmas. That's why every year we sing the same carols again and again and again and again and again and again. That's why we have loads of services here at Chalmers inviting people in to hear the news because it's good and it's exciting and it's true and it's worth making a fuss about. That's why we read the same stories every year at this time of year because they're true and they're good and they're worth making a fuss about because this baby Jesus, God's king and our rescuer, is a very special baby who would grow up to do something completely extraordinary and unique in history who grew up as God's king to rescue his people from their sins. And now, as Emma said, he's alive and he's reigning forever. So Jesus, one more time, God's king and Jesus, God's rescuer.